Hello and welcome to Sex Ed for Sex Med, a podcast produced by the Ohio Sexual Health Collaborative for medical providers caring for women. However, women experiencing sexual difficulties who perceive a lower quality of life do not feel like themselves and are looking to increase their knowledge of sexual health are also encouraged to listen. I'm your host, Dr. Terry Gibbs, and together with my rotating medical experts, we'll be providing evidence-based fundamental and advanced concepts for evaluating, educating, and empowering women with sexual concerns. We'll be addressing physical, mental, and sexual health wellness as all these aspects are important to enjoying a healthy sexual life. Today, we are talking to two medical students that coordinate the Medical Student Forum on Female Sexual Medicine. This is a medical student-led organization that is in Chicago with students from all the Chicago medical schools and many elsewhere. Founder Jen Romanello and Anjali Murthy will be talking about why they started the forum and the inspiring efforts they are making to educate their colleagues about sexual medicine. If you are in training, this would be a valuable resource for you to belong to. Please check out their website and Instagram account in the show notes. Please enjoy the podcast. Well, today we have two medical students with us, and we're going to talk about a group that they have started. They're medical students that are in Chicago. Anjali is at the University of Illinois Medical School, and, and Jen is at the um, Rush Medical School. And they have started a group called The Forum, and it's it's all about the, the sexual medicine space. And so uh, thank you uh, for coming, both of you. And um, I'd like to lead off with uh, the idea, the, the question of, tell us a little bit about the forum and, and how is it organized? Sure. Thanks, Dr. Gibbs. So the forum, the full name is the Medical Student Forum on Female Sexual Medicine. And then I'm the president and the founder. And so we are an independent student org. So we're not affiliated directly with one school, even though our board members have come from all seven Chicago area med schools. So we want to facilitate med students to collaborate and learn and educate our academic peers about female sexual medicine and dysfunction, because there's a variety of conditions that address this that are really underrepresented in medical school training. And so our programming, our research, we really focus on like the four main areas. So low libido, difficulty with arousal, problems with orgasm, pain with sex causing distress for patients. And so we have different committees. So we have our marketing committee, which Angie is leading, and then our education team that's conducted curriculum views, reviews, and published uh, abstracts at different conferences on um, looking at the curriculum at the Chicago area med schools and what they've included or not in female sexual medicine. And then we have a community outreach committee that does lectures, has connected students to research and mentorship opportunities. We have a student engagement committee that has discussions so students can talk with each other over Zoom about these topics, or like students even outside the Chicago area can participate in creating these events. And then within my position as president and founder, so it's a lot of like working with the committees and talking with the committee members of like, what's their vision 
for the position and a lot of coordinating. And um, I started it in 2020. Well, that's pretty extensive. You sound like a the professional, any professional uh, medical group. So that's pretty extensive. You just had a meeting. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you've already done, some of the programs you've done. Yeah. So that's kind of ties into my role as the media and marketing chair. So I kind of help to get the, the forum's mission out there and try to connect with as many groups and students as possible. And so our approach to this is that we really recognize the importance of having a very interdisciplinary approach to female sexual medicine. And we try to reflect that as best we can in our events. We invite speakers that work in a full spectrum of female sexual medicine care. We've heard from different sort of medical specialties, urologists, OB-GYNs, psychiatrists, general medicine doctors, as well as allied um, health professionals like public floor physical therapists, health professional PhDs, sex therapists, and social workers. Um, we've also heard from people in non-medical spaces. So we had a panel discussion with the director and producer of the documentary film Dilemma of Desire, Maria Finizzo. And we've also hosted artist Sophia Wallace, whose work focuses on the clitoris, um, most notably clitoracy. And then of course, we always make room for patient advocates themselves. So I think that's been one of our most impactful events is when we get to invite patients whose lived experience is really tied to, unfortunately, oftentimes like their mistreatment by providers in the female sexual medicine field, or just sharing their stories of liberation as they started to kind of like tap into that part of themselves. Um, and hearing directly from them has been really awesome. So that's kind of how it's structured. Um, like Jen touched on earlier, these they're formatted a bit differently. Some of them are more discussion-based. Some of them are more lectures. And then we have like the patient advocacy sessions where they're, it's like a storytelling session almost. Then we get to do a Q&A after, which is awesome. Listeners are sitting listening to this and going who are these people because they're medical students and they've they're running a a professional society here before you ever came into to medicine both of you were were working in advocacy kinds of positions Jen, tell us a little bit about yours. Sure. So I graduated from college in 2017, and then I took two years before medical school, um, and I knew that I was interested in sexual medicine for a while. But a lot of my interest in advocacy is coming to realize things things that I didn't come across that I that I feel like I wish I should have earlier on. So like I was a volunteer at Planned Parenthood in DC after I graduated. And also at that same time, I watched an episode of Explained on Netflix, episode Female Orgasm. And in my role as a Planned Parenthood volunteer, we could create our own events. And during the Netflix episode, Explained, I learned the anatomy of the clitoris for the first time. So I'd already graduated with a biology degree. I had been interested in sexual medicine already. And why did I not know this? It really made me reflect on like, what does this represent? Why did I not come across this knowledge? Like, how does this impact then like the, the lack of knowledge? How does that impact the medical community on how we can care for our patients? And like, what, what training or paucity of training and research or paucity of research is going on? And I was discussing this with my friends and they were not aware of all the internal structures, the the cura, the body, the I'm just really knowing about the glands. And so I created a panel with Planned Parenthood at my university at, at GW about female pleasure and sexual communication with doctors and health educators. And we 
showed the episode first. I recommend like everyone listening to this. If you haven't, please watch it. It's it's excellent. And actually, that was where I met Dr. Rachel Rubin, urologist and sexual medicine specialist, ISWISH education chair, because she was one of the panelists on it. I was in DC at the time. And with my advocacy, I then got to spend time in her office and I met one of the patient advocates, sex med advocate is her name. So on her blog, she talks about how she's Dr. Rubin's patient. And I learned a lot from her, how she went to a lot of doctors, didn't really get answers, the trauma that of like how that impacted her. And so even before med school, I realized that these were issues and wanted to continue advocating for just being able to talk about sexual medicine and getting more research and knowledge out there about it. Angelie, tell us about your experience. My interest in sexual medicine stems a lot from my uh, passion for working with adults with disabilities, specifically intellectual and mental disabilities. So ever since I wanted to be a doctor, that's kind of who I knew I wanted to work with. There are unfortunately a lot of like really bad disparities at the intersection of disability and medicine, despite those individuals being really reliant on the medical system for access to a lot of their lived experiences. And so when I started in undergrad, I studied uh, linguistic anthropology. I worked with the medical anthropologist, Dr. Michelle Friedner there, um, who helped me to explore different perspectives on specifically deafness and hearing disability. But in my work there, I got to like critique a lot of and look through a lot of like how biomedical specialists were talking about disability. And that just kind of made me realize like how connected what biomedicine knows about a lived experience can be to everybody's understanding of it. And I think that's very true for sexual medicine as well. Um, And also the, especially the intersection of disability, sexuality, and medicine. And so I started with just kind of working in different healthcare settings and trying to understand different perspectives and different stakeholders and how they're involved in it um, with the overall goal of being able to kind of leverage those different positions and get people to kind of want to look into things that maybe are taboo in certain spaces and things like that. Like sexuality is a really taboo topic in a lot of disability healthcare spaces. So my advocacy has kind of been geared touring, like uncovering that taboo or confronting it um, and trying to get people on board with like, just because it's difficult to talk about it. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't. I think it's actually means it's even more important that we learn how to. That's kind of where my advocacy came from. And then, of course, I was introduced to Jen when she was advertising for positions for the organization. And that was right in line with when I was beginning my own disability and sexuality project, where I helped to educate medical students and adults with disabilities themselves um, about the sexual health and um, sexuality. So it kind of just all worked out like really good timing. Um, And then through this group, I've gotten to meet even more people um, that have really similar goals and just like learn from everybody. It's been awesome. It's very interesting that you you had all that even before you got into medical school. And I, I know you both have articles that you've co-authored in the medical literature. So you've taken this pretty far with without even getting the MD degree yet. So it, so these groups are pretty rare that, that you've formed. And Jen, would you give me a little bit of, about the inspiration? You, you had those experiences, but tell me about the inspiration for starting the forum. Yeah. So when I got to Chicago for medical school, I connected with Dr. Lauren Stryker. So she's an OBGYN at Northwestern. And she is the founder and director of the Northwestern Center for Sexual Medicine and Menopause. And so when I spoke with her, she actually brought up to me, like, how about having this group for students across the Chicago area to learn about female sexual medicine and I'll be the advisor. And I was like, how could I turn this down? This sounds like exactly what I want to do. But there wasn't really a framework at the time. So I actually talked to people in uh, student affairs at Rush, like, would this be a student org at the school? Or and we'd have chapters at other schools. So that's how the independent factor 
came about that we really can just have our own separate organization from, from our medical schools. And actually now about half of the people who attend our events are students at med schools outside Chicago, even some international med students wow. attend our events. Andy, you got into this after it was started. Tell, tell me a little bit about what went through your mind when you heard about this. You you alluded to it, but tell me a little bit more about your inspiration for joining. My biggest inspiration for joining was definitely like the possibility to connect with like-minded people from all levels of training. Like just the fact that we're building up this community of people in medical school with us at different sites, different institutions with different approaches to this is like, it's just been so powerful. We get to hear a lot just like from each other's lived experiences with being in medical school and wanting to talk about this stuff. Um, it kind of helps us stay motivated to do the work and also kind of helps us to break down barriers even easier when we have somebody that might have done a similar thing somebody out where else and kind of gotten that perspective it's also really great to be a part of these different events and get to hear from all these different experts and speakers um that's obviously a very huge privilege to be a part of but really it's it's like this this creation of this community of passionate doctors doctors that are passionate about ending the stigma about sexual medicine and spreading accurate information about it so tell me a little bit about the goals and, and what you want to accomplish with uh, the forum. So for our goals, it's about educating our peers. So through our events, lectures, discussions, symposium, but also connecting students to research and mentorship opportunities, you know, bring people together with similar interests, and then also doing our own research. So we've had abstracts accepted to the International Society for Sexual Medicine, SMSNA, APCO CREOG, and Blay Iswish this upcoming conference. And so we we asked, you know, we tapped into our network of students and we looked at our curriculums and just what what were schools teaching the medical students? So, you know, how many schools were talking about a sexual health history, including like sexual function? And it actually was six out of 10 of the schools in the pre-clerkship curriculum. But then how many schools are looking at like physiology of female orgasm in the pre-clerkship curriculum? And that was four out, out of seven in our community. And so we're also just gathering data about what is actually going on and, and just elucidating like why this really is needed. You know, I've, I've heard your membership is, is pretty extensive. You have membership from all the uh, schools. Well, you just told us, Jen, uh, most of the schools in, in uh, Chicago and beyond Boy, how did you build this membership? So we have a lot of students interested. Like you said, we've actually reached about 800 students in our different events. We keep tabs of all of registration, everything, which has been awesome. Like Jen mentioned, it's all over the world, all over the country, which has been really great. Um, we also get a bunch of awesome feedback from the students. They they think it's like the best lecture of their life, that they learn a lot of things that they would otherwise have not touched on their curriculum otherwise. In terms of how we reach out to people, we rely on a lot of our own personal networks. Each of us being at different medical schools, will share and advertise events to each of our schools and also on our social media platforms. That's kind of where I run. So the Twitter page, Facebook, Instagram, everything, just putting our registration links out there, saying what the event's going to be about. And then also collaborating with relevant student groups at our schools, because like we said, very multidisciplinary. So we'll advertise in the OB-GYN group and the psychiatry group, depending on, you know, what the, what the event is, just to get students that might have an overall interest in a a specialty, understand that sexual medicine is going to be part of that specialty as well. So for many students that attend our events, like the why behind they're interested. For a lot of our students, female sexual medicine is actually a very personal aspect of their sense of self. We 
ourselves have experienced firsthand, like how gaps in comprehensive care on this topic can lead to shortcomings, not only in healthcare, but also how it can lead to uncertainty and shame about certain parts of yourself. And the more we learn and internalize and kind of share accurate information on female sexual medicine through the forum, the more opportunity we're going to have to really guide our patients, peers, and even mentors on this path. But ultimately, it's like a path of empowerment um, that us members at the forum are really all in together and have been able to kind of work through together. Also through the forum, I think something that is a big pull for students to come is that a lot of our events are focused on normalizing a lot of topics that are previously taboo. So there's always like kind of shock value of like, oh my God, why is orgasm in bold on this flyer? But then it's like, well, let's talk about it. That's exactly why I think you should come to our event. And so without even noticing a lot of us kind of even will come to events with having internalized some shame-based or fear-based facts on human sexuality, especially the sexuality of female bodies. But I think like a, the reason that this uh, this organization just continues to grow is really, I think there's an understanding that the more we can come together and hold this space, the more we're going to be able to be exposed to a spectrum of approaches and perspectives that will ultimately help us unlearn these harmful messages about our body, sexuality, and health, and just understand that it is an empowerment practice at the end of the day. And that's going to help us just feel more connected to anybody around us. Well, what would you like to see your members continue when they, you know, you're, you're in medical school, you're going to get through medical school, you've probably got post training in a, a residency. What do you hope to have people continue when they're done with medical school? I would really like to see people to continue gaining knowledge, just having these conversations, like normalizing these topics. And then if more people are talking about it and normalizing these conversations, then maybe there could be more training. So like Dr. Rubin did the only fellowship in sexual medicine for all genders. So mm -hmm. they're for female sexual medicine. Otherwise, like there really are no other ways to be formally trained. Like Dr. Stryker did not get the formal training of a fellowship. She's sought out a lot of this on her own. So just to continue that curiosity and how we can really benefit our patients with our knowledge, with investing in more research and more training. Well, let me ask people outside the Chicago area that are listening to this, and they're at a school where they're, they don't know of anybody else who is excited about things like you are, what would you encourage them to do? I think that with social media, people can connect easier than before. So like following people like Dr. Rubin on social media or Dr. Stryker, like listening to their podcasts, you know, attending our events, anyone can attend our events. Also, any med students can work on creating our discussions so they can definitely reach out to us. You know, Dr. Rubin has a research team for medical students. Some students who have heard about the forum and attended our events have now started their own group. So like my friend at SUNY Downstate just started a sexual health group, but it's for like all the different schools at her university that are relevant to health. It's like not just for med students. And then after one of our events about transgender sexual health, one student really wanted to have like a forum for transgender health. So they've then created that society for Chicago area med students or like a student from Tufts reached out to me over winter break about like how I started the forum and she's interested in starting her own group and like just having a community where she's based to talk about these stuff, these topics, even though like students, even not like uh, members of the forum currently are welcome to attend our events. I got to say, wow, you, you guys have are really inspiring and really organized in your approach to this. Let's take a few minutes, and I'd like to hear from both of you regarding just 
where do you want to go with this? You know, you're in medical school, but before you know it, you'll be in private practice. What, what's your dreams? You should go first. Um, <laughs> Jen, you can go ahead. Yeah, I love that question. Yeah, because Angie and I still have over a year before we graduate. And so we're thinking about what the next steps for us and the form will be. But I just I just think back to my main goals, like my bottom line. And it's like what this all represents to me. And it's just about like our like our wholeness as human beings um, and our healing, because I think so many people are taught to shame their sexuality, to shame this part of themselves when they can untame themselves literally and know that sexual health is health. We like, we come back more fully into ourselves. We live more authentically and sexual medicine represents so many things. I even talk about like how sexual medicine like parallels, like how we have our culture on our team. So like if we have a patient, we want them with their partner to be able to like have boundaries and have open communication and so on, like, and like have a resounding yes in the work in like what they're doing. And so in the work that we do, I really talk about a culture with the rest of the board members, like what is a resounding yes in like your work being pleasurable to you? How do you talk about like your boundaries? Just like we would want someone to have talk about their sexual boundaries with their partner. It's, it's a lot of just what is pleasurable to us. And in many senses of the word pleasure, like in work, not just related to sexual things. It, it has a lot of like representation to me of just like how to live our best, most full lives. That's great. Angelie, what do you think? I love Jen's answer always. Me and Jen have really similar values on this topic, which I think is one of the best parts about the group. But I, I definitely see I want to do OBGYN. I want to work specifically in disability and sexuality, like I alluded to earlier, specifically addressing sexual health disparities that adults with disabilities face. But really what ties together all my interests, because I'm also, I'm a sexuality educator, I'm a yoga instructor, and I want to do this like gynecology work. And what really ties my own passions together is like just wanting everybody to feel empowered and confident and understanding of their own bodies. I think the world we live in, that can be a really difficult thing to do in a way that's really unspoken, but helping people, helping patients, helping each other kind of get the language to articulate the parts of ourselves that we're really scared to confront is such an empowering practice. And it just breeds such a beautiful community. That's really what I want to do in my work. I think on a like more specific sense, I'm really interested in like your gynecology. So focusing also on the ways that bodies change through menopause and what it means to be an aging body in this society and how to still not let go of those parts of yourself that might be looking different as time goes on. In my work with disability and sexuality, it's how do we help empower the disabled body? How do we encourage access to all these different aspects of life and care? Um, and then through yoga, it's, it's very much a more community-based, like mindfulness, breathing sort of space where we get to say like, what are our bodies doing today and what can we help them do to help us leave here? feeling more comfortable and empowered so yeah that's kind of those are my dreams and yeah I don't know, i'm excited jen do you have a specialty you, you're thinking of yeah i've been really interested in OBGYN. i'm learning now about a field of reproductive psychiatry and so there there's so many cool ways to approach sexual medicine and i like know what i want to do i know i want to do sexual medicine and women's health and i'm just figuring out what's the best route that i can can do and re reach my goals. Well, I think you guys are going to be on the the dockets for some meetings in the future in medicine, uh, sexual medicine. That's for sure. I really uh, appreciate you guys sharing with us today all of your adventures. I, I always 
close up the, the conversation, I, I want to take a minute and just, you know, again, tap your inspiration, give us some parting shots, things that you're just the most passionate about. Um, I know you've mentioned many of them, but uh, give us some parting shots. Any last thoughts? I do have a little event to plug coming up. Yes, please do. <laughs> Awesome. So on January 22nd, 2023 at 8.15 Central Time, we're having our annual virtual symposium. It's our third annual symposium. And the focus is female sexual medicine across the lifetime. So we're from keynote speakers. Um, Dr. Corey Val will be talking to us about female sexual medicine in practice. We have um, Dr. Fama Kinwa Milhouse talking about health equity in female sexual medicine. And our third keynote is um, Dr. Melissa Simon on reproductive rights in female sexual medicine. Those keynotes are monitored by Dr. Stryker, our advisor at Northwestern. We also have panelists. I'm going to be talking specifically, kind of walking through different cases. Um, Dr. Nicole Tyson um, is going to talk about the adolescent perspective. Alyssa Lee is going to talk about the premenopausal adult perspective. And Dr. Lynn, Mary Lynn is going to talk about the um, postmenopausal perspective as we walk through those cases, moderated by Dr. Rubin. So it'll be just a morning of getting to learn new things at this intersection with the focus on, like I said, the way that female sexual medicine moves throughout a person's lifetime. Um, so that's kind of now, are, are your events uh, like on demand? Do you, do you listen to them live? How would somebody say in Ohio, tap those and appreciate what's going on? Definitely follow our social media pages. That's like the most of our advertising is done there, okay. especially wider panel. Okay. Um, we'll always share our events at least a week in advance to kind of help plan. And then the timing is usually weeknights or for our symposium, we always do a Sunday morning. Everything is virtual. For the most part, we might have a hybrid session with the in-person, usually based in Chicago, but that way it kind of stays a little bit more accessible. And coming live is always the best because these discussions, we don't ever record the discussion portions of our section just to help people kind of feel, feel empowered to kind of just be honest with whatever's going on and without the you know fear of being recorded or anything like that. So yeah, that's the best way to come to our events follow us on social media and try to attend our events if you can. Jen, what would you, you, you're the president, you get to finish this, finish this up here. I'm very grateful for all the support of people in the field. You know, you highlighting our voices, like Dr. Rubin has been an amazing support, Dr. Stryker, you know, being our advisor, having this initial idea. And it's really wonderful that the students have a vision, but then we really have the people already practicing the field, their support, and like we wouldn't be able to do that. And so I just, I love how collaborative the people I've met in sexual medicine have been. I've just felt very like included and um, people are really invested in all of our like future success. And it's just been really wonderful. And I want to continue like passing that forward. And I, I think that's I think that's really important. Well, I can envision you, both of you, still being on this podcast sometime in the future as practitioners and experts uh, in the field. So thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate all that you've done and are doing. And uh, I know this will be very inspiring to our, our listeners today. So have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you.